Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality show is back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Celebrate more for less at HomeSense. More yummy, the best cookware by far. And three cheers for bar. More I love it gifts from chocolate to spa to ooh la la. HomeSense, cheer is here. Hey everyone, John Roca here. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Stay little chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you've got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. months we have our first look at captain marvel and amy can't even hang all the whole show this is what we're gonna get we also we also have a ton of uh, new info about dc universe which we'll be getting to including one of my favorite actors joining that already incredible cast and a special Hi. guest 
Hi. Our special guest, we're talking to Eric Escabel, the author of a new comic called Border Town, and we're joined by the amazing Claire Lim. Hi. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> I told you Andy couldn't even hang. I told you. And I'm back. I made it from near your home world. Yeah, Ireland. It I've was... come all the way from London. And we've. I think that's why they've announced Captain Marvel. For us, for, the, hype, for the Wednesday hype. I, we came in, we're like, you know, we need a little story. We need, some, we need some news. How about an hour before? Boom. Like, I just, I can't get over these shots. I can't get over how it looks. I was so excited that, like, <gasps> upon landing, Captain Marvel awaits. Yep. It looks so good. I walked oh all the way past the studio this morning, staring at my phone, trying to get the <laughs> images to load i was like at the street and i was like this is wrong i where am i so i'm fine obviously how are y'all i'm doing yeah, good so this is collider heroes this is episode 269 it is september 5th it is a wednesday it is a new comic day and most importantly it is a new images of captain marvel day a day that will live in infamy I'm very oh, excited wait, about the these. Good kind. The no, good kind of. Oh, what's a positive thing for me? Is there, a, is there a day that's a po- Well, I was thinking military and it, it threw me off. Uh, just getting off a plane six hours ago, I am very excited to talk comics. It was amazing being in Ireland where there's uh, such small pockets of comic people that they know everything because they're like the focal points of their entire. It was, it was amazing. And you met a couple sweaties. I met sweaty. People in Ireland came up to me about this very show and, and realizing the worldwide outreach of Collider Heroes was so flattering. You guys were amazing. Uh, Colm, the gentleman who draws the art for these shows, gave me a mini tour of Dublin. What? So, the, yeah, like one of the cool, it was the greatest thing. So oh, thank yeah. you, Sweaties, for being the coolest people on the planet. And thank you, Marvel, for this Captain Marvel images to tangent back into the goodness. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so let's see what we got. We got the official cover of the new Entertainment Weekly issue. Uh, we got an official, my favorite shot, the one behind Claire's head here, is just the Captain Marvel, like, in action, beautifully lit. You'd, I'm pointing at it, you... You talk so they can see it behind your head. <laughs> I, I, I've got go. actual goosebumps. <laughs> actual goosebumps. It looks. She looks absolutely incredible. And I was like you this morning. I was like, refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> and now it's finally here. It's finally here. And she looks great. So, like, so badass. I can't wait. Now, this is like, wet my appetite enough. But now, I want to see even more. Like, even more. And we're only like six more. months away. Yes. And, and I love that the cover, not only did it not shy away from how bold the costume is, how full-blown, like, Colors. superhero costume, but her fists. Yes. The cover of an Entertainment Weekly has Brie Larson full Captain Marveled up, and we have reached that perfect age in cinema where that's completely acceptable on the cover of NEW. It's not a, it's not a wizard magazine. It's not a super... It's a freaking Entertainment Weekly, and she's full Captain Marvel, and it just... That was the moment this morning that just filled me with the most glee. All the other images were great, but the, knowing the cover was that is just... And, and the scrolls, we got to see scrolls. Yes, we and got, um, shout out to this costume design, which is inspired pretty clearly by uh, artist Jamie McKelvey's 2012-ish redesign of the, the character, uh, which... Is widely agreed upon, I think, as a fantastic Captain Marvel design that they've clearly done homage to. I don't know if this is Ryan Minerding or the guy who does a lot of the biz dev for Marvel. I don't know the name of the person executing this costume. I will look that up because they deserve a lot of cred, but shout out to Jamie McKelvey for inspiring it. Um, and the and details in it, like, I love that it's battle-worn. I love mm-hmm. that it looks like it's mm-hmm. been flown in. I love that you can see that this isn't just put on. Like, it's seen some stuff. Yeah, she, we... she looks like she's ready to, like, she's been through the shit and she's ready to do more shit. So yeah. I'm like... 
I like this. It's kind of, as you said, battle-worn. So it looks, she looks like, oh, I just, I'm sorry, I can't even get the words out. Like, I'm, and I'm misting. I am now misting. Yes, I've literally been on this show for five seconds. I'm like, oh, no. I'm glad I wore black today. When I, was a, when I was a kid, there was those action figures that said Battle Ravaged, but I always thought it was Battle Ravaged. So my parents didn't know what I was talking about. So I was like, I want the Spider-Man Battle Ravaged. And they were like, what? So when I saw this, I was like, that's a good Battle Ravaged costume. Or, or she's that battle was a ravaged. Battle Ravaged. She's Battle Ravaged. Here we battle see damage on the suit. Um, and that's not to mention the supporting cast. That's not to mention the double eye Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury. That's not to mention that we get to see a young version of, I assume, Marvel. We're going to see through the ages because we get a, like, I. Okay, the so the, there's so much. Yeah, there, there's so much in these images. And we got some mm-hmm. solid chunks of story that we did not have before, uh, which I, so kind of spoiler warning, because uh, the article just comes out straight and tells you, oh, okay, well, pause for this. Because apparently this is Maria Rambeau, uh, which probably instantly sent all of our brains going, Maria Rambeau, <laughs> codename Photon. And the article made a note of the fact that she is one of Carol's best friends and the mother of a young daughter, uh, who we all, I believe, assume is Monica freaking Rambeau, another of the very famous Captains Marvel, uh, also known as Photon, also known as Spectrum, an amazing Marvel hero who now I think we have some real solid reason to believe we will be seeing in the modern day. When Lashana Lynch was cast in this role, or the woman who she replaced was cast, mm-hmm. when we saw the casting notice, we all kind of went is it monica but if it is then we can't have her in the present day and now we see the workaround and it would make sense that real arson would age slower it makes sense that they could tie yeah. it all in together monica rambo can come in later and the secrecy around this makes total sense okay but can we pop the spoiler warning back up and talk about uh the group shot of her in the green with uh with astrid from crazy rich asians with uh korath with uh yeah the star force did y'all see this in the article? I have not seen this image yet. This is fresh to mine eyes. <laughs> really, oh my god! This was literally breaking as we caught into the studio. Yeah. So we've all we're all at different levels of having seen this. <laughs> Peeking through images right before we roll. Are yelling at our phones to load. But apparently, she is part of a special forces team called the Star Force, based on Hala, the Cree, ho- Cree homeworld. Yes. Uh, and they seem to all be in the green versions of those uniforms, which makes total sense uh, in that in the as the Cree thing, but very different from the origin story we know of Marvel crashing to Earth and her getting her powers in an accident and then going through all these stages of him being a hero on Earth for a while and all of that. Apparently, when this movie opens, she's already got powers and she's in space and she's on a special forces team called Star Force. And that's like a lot. That's a lot <laughs> to take in. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm especially excited for uh, Gemma Chan, I want to say is her name, because I just saw Crazy Rich Jason and she was fantastic. Um, she's playing the sniper that you see on the far right. Uh, I don't know how much of any of these people are in the movie, but... Yeah, that's a whole lot of new information. Kevin Feige had just dropped that a lot of this movie would take place in space, and now yes. we know why. But I, they're being weird about Jude Law because they're just saying he plays her mentor on the team who's, like, working with her to to try to control her powers. And previously there was that casting thing, I think, that called him... Marvel officially, right? Well, there, there was the one that... Uh, 
Walter Lawson, his, is that right? His uh, civilian identity? And we weren't sure if that was a code thing or like, what's the deal? What's <laughs> <laughs> Someone tell me. I told me. you, this was Amy so, the show today. Someone Full flabbergast. Amy, Amy's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, like, I love seeing you. So I missed you. I've missed you. I missed you. I missed you. Marvell, why are they in space? Did he start the team? I know he's her mentor. Was that all just code name stuff? Yes. What's going on? Are they going to get X-Forced? Are they only going to be in it for 10 minutes? Will they die? I'm wondering if it's going to be a situation where we get introduced in space. We have to see her overcome great adversity, take on this suit, mm. come to Earth. I think in the beginning of the movie, a, there's a decimation. I think a lot goes down. I think, uh-huh. I mean, Ronan the Accuser standing there is not a small yes. thing. And I like how he looks younger somehow. Even with all that makeup, I'm like, nah, yes, a younger Ronan like, the Accuser. You, you look like you've slept a few more hours. Yeah, he's got some moisturizer <laughs> like, on his blue. Totally. He's doing okay. You don't have those bags under your eyes, Ronan. <laughs> what, what cream are you using? Um, but yeah, like, I love the fact that uh, Ken Feige said it's going to be like a galactic adventure, but... I love the f- you can see her in a nine inch nails t shirt. There's like a Top Gun esque shot as well because it's set in the 90s, and I am like a huge, huge 90s action fan. Anything from True Lies to Demolition Man to all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, they said that the kind of the action that happens on Earth and the action absolutely is like ground level 90s action. Mm, they compared it to T2, right? Yes, and T2, like, oh, great film. So we're going to see that, and then we're going to see this amazing 90s esque throwback action. It's I, I can't, my tiny little brain can't comprehend what's happening right now. And the images Seriously. show the groundedness to balance out the crazy cosmic. Because mm-hmm. it, in a movie, you need to uh, like appreciate the characters yes. in order to be invested when they're flying through space. Yeah. So I really like that the costumes are minimal CGI. It's going to be augmented with CGI, sure. And that's how these suits look good. And that's why all that paparazzi nonsense, this suit was such baloney. But I love that these suits look great in stills. And one of my favorite shots of Sergis in the desert here, because it doesn't need more fluff. It, it looks fantastic. And that's the basis of the character. Captain Marvel, Brie Larson playing her you have to be invested in her so that way when her fists light up you're like oh that's the thing i'm buying yeah so i think that this shows that the the only thing and i'm a very positive person the only thing i'm a little worried about and i will own it now i'm a little worried about the scrolls we haven't talked about the scrolls the scrolls look a little dragon ball z-ish to me really uh, I, loved them. I, I like them but i don't love them and i, I it's a hard thing to walk you're making green aliens with weird chins and pointy ears i get that <laughs> all all caveats aside it reminded me of what they did with Piccolo in that, that, uh, that magnum opus, <laughs> that Dragon Ball Z movie. And I'm sure in movement they'll look better. I just, my only negative was this image. Really? I, it's just oh. one. It's tiny. It's very small. It's, this is the first, like, we've had space operas, right? Yeah. This is a sci-fi 90s action film. That is a very hard line to walk. Like, a sci-fi movie can go one way or the other. This is the first thing I was like, show me. I want to see more of it before I make a decision. All right, I'm, I'm on rarely board. negative, but I'm slightly going... Okay. We'll see. Well, I am immune to all negativity when it comes to <laughs> comes to speaking about cats and Marvel. So noted. <laughs> just flown over me. I'm a bubble of positivity. I'm I watching it not reach you. It's amazing. It's just like boing, boing, boing. <laughs> um, I think this side of the table is just like, but hearing you. I know, hear, hearing 95% you. Ninety-five percent ecstatic. Five percent. Show me more. <laughs> Cool. I, I'm curious. The scrolls look good to me. It might just be because that front guy's really well lit and that I'm easily <laughs> swayed by that. Uh, but we'll see. Like, it'll be really cool to see them in transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm very curious to see how the different segments of the film play out. Now that we know context for the green uniform, mm-hmm. uh, I am... And we, like, we have a established sort of threat at home. I'm very curious. 
I personally love origin films, so I hope we get some like good flashbacks at least. But I know there's a lot of people out there who have origin fatigue who will probably be very excited that we're jumping straight into the action with this. I one. think this appeals to both doing it this way, especially starting in space, especially if a lot of it's in space. But she's from Boston, so I want some origin stuff <laughs> out of my uh, my own hometown bias. So I'd like that, and a lot of Boston heroes. Uh, I think we'll get some, and I think with her origin, you need to explain it because it's so broad. And the problem of the comics is she's had like five different like crossover origins this character has been reintroduced retconned revisited and there's so many captain marvels which one are they going to give the or like how are they going to tie all those together i don't think the origin thing is going to be a big problem because i think people are so excited and this is i think it's going to be like a breath of fresh air and i love the mcu so much but just looking at her she just looks so great uh, everything that i'm seeing looks so amazing i think that uh, we can put the origin fatigue to sit to one side for one second especially with the galactic thing the 90s thing it's going to be like nostalgia fest plus feast for the eyes mm-hmm. plus everything else so i think it would just be a good story i'm hoping for just a great action film and the top gun reference i totally agree with yes. i think if we get anything that's like top gun meets superheroes meets <laughs> 90s music we're in a great boat like this this looks fantastic, and I couldn't be more excited considering it's only six months away. We've just survived Infinity War, and now we get some happiness and some exciting 90s yes. action. Yes, yes, just about over Infinity War, just so. This has come just in time. So, yeah, super excited, even though you had, like, the 5% of whatever. Yeah, and that's tiny, I, and I just always want to be aware so I don't get fully excited, so I don't go in blind. I just want to... I just want to say, Kai, it's going to be okay. Okay, it's going to be fine. <laughs> I got this. It's be It'll fine. be good. It'll be, and Ben Mendelsohn's a scroll. Ben Mendelsohn's You're gonna incredible. You're going to love it. I'm going to love it. They could be from the 90s sci-fi film but Ben, ben Mendelsohn Green there sold. you go he's back okay again, I'm back 100% that's back all it took again. I just <laughs> had to say Ben Mendelsohn's name <laughs> that's all it took you just chant it to yourself it's yeah, my mantra god you're so easy Coy. Yeah, that's all it takes I'm back in my positivity <laughs> bubble good yes. speaking of positivity DC Universe are we, are we ready to DC Universe? Are we going to transition from positive to Mr. To, negative? To, uh, Mr. Nobody. Oh, oh I messed it up. I, I messed up the transition. Uh. I mean, the, the name's an implied negative. Alan Tudyk <laughs> yes. is always positive because you should positively see everything he does. He's Alan Tudyk. Yep. That, that's the tangent I'm going with. I am really excited for this because Doom Patrol is a weird, weird property. And the fact that they're mm-hmm. investing this much into this weird of a property and going for it all the way means they trust the script. They trust the audience. They trust the platform. Everything I've heard about the DC Universe has me excited. I love the team. I love what they're doing. I love that they're involving comics and animation and movies and TV shows. And their original properties all sound fantastic. So this announcement for me was one of the ones that got me the most excited for this entire platform. What do you guys think? Yes, we talked about a lot about it last week because we were all sort of blown away by the Brendan Fraser casting. And they've now been like, you thought that was a one-off. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I, I obviously, I'm a huge Ellen Tudyk fan. I will watch him in anything. Uh, I'm very, very excited about that. But we also, after the show last week, they did their live stream and they announced a lot of new information about DC Universe. We have a release date. My birthday. <laughs> Thanks, Universe. September 15th, Batman Day. We get the DC Universe Live, which is a Saturday, so you can binge all day, go crazy. And I just put it together that Brendan Fraser and Alan Tudor are going to be something together. And, like, that's more 90s than Captain Marvel might be. That's amazing. That's very exciting. I think a small black hole is just forming in the universe with all this 90s-ness. It's like, oh, time and space and everything's collapsing. It's been three years since Stranger Things. We're evolving into the early 90s just (laughs) by chronology. Yeah, totally. So we know that Titan's coming first. We have a ton of interesting information from Doom Patrol. We got some set photos 
shows this week. We've got mm. some other leaks. Leaks. We also got some new info on Swamp Thing, which mm-hmm. we'd all been really excited for. Yes. I, I, I'm tentatively excited. We have a definitive announcement for the uh, director of the pilot, who is also coming on as executive producer, Len Weissman. Yes. And this might have been the plan the whole time. Nobody has said that James Wan isn't involved. There was a rumor a while ago that he might be directing the pilot, which it turns out was not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully this is a continuing forward on the same path kind of thing. I'm not as familiar with Weissman's other work. I've seen Underworld, obviously, but I haven't seen Sleepy Hollow, a series he was he in. did the uh, Total Recall remake, but we shall never speak about it. We don't talk about that. That's not a it's thing. It's like, the... sorry. <laughs> But Underworld, yes. the visual aesthetic of Underworld, the tone of Underworld, that like love yep. or hate Underworld, when you say it, you get a tone, you get a feeling, you get you get a, a, a vibe, and I think that's really important for comic films. I love the Underworld tone, I love the soundtrack, I love the shape of those movies. They kind of devolve as they go, but it's a really interesting choice to have such a stylized director jump into it, and it's a lot like Zack Snyder. You've got a very stylized person making these worlds, and the DC fans love that. And he's coming from The Gifted. He's coming from Sleepy Hollow. He's got an incredibly deep resume of sort of supernatural and horror and other interesting kind of fare, Uh, Mm -hmm. so it's exciting to have solid news on that. Thankfully, what he does on... What he does in film, I'm not a fan of, but I really like The Gifted. And and I I think what he does for TV is really, really great. And I think Swamp Thing sounds amazing. I mean, you've got the It co-writer on board as Mm -hmm, well. mm -hmm. And It last year was so, so great. So I'm really hopeful for this, despite my reservations about The Wiseman. Um, But I think on TV, he's absolutely killing it. And this tone really gives us a great idea of what we can do with something like the DC Universe. This isn't a movie budget. This isn't something that's restrictive to PG-13. You can make Swamp Thing dark, and you can make it interesting. Yeah. You can, like Underworlds are very R-rated films, and if they lean that direction, it'd be really nice to get a Swamp Thing that might be a little darker, to get like a Doom Patrol that might be a little more obscure and do references we wouldn't get in a movie. So <laughs> I, I really like that these announcements, they're not like tiptoeing around things. They're not like Teen Titans, but it's real lean. No, it's like the F Batman line, plus all this stuff. Like This universe is very separate and I, i'm really excited for my birthday and they have said there's going to be some variety uh, people have been pulling back up uh, the star girl series is in theory still moving forward and will have a very different more pg or pg-13 kind of tone um which implies uh, that like they're going to keep some of this stuff separate but they're moving a bunch of it forward yeah i like how the i mean i quite like the the um DC, uh, so the Arrowverse and things like that, and I quite—I'm not not the hugest fans of of DC and film, but you know, I quite like watch. I like the fact that everything's so different. Like if we can get, like you said, like a wacky—I want like a Grant Morrison-esque wackiness. And they um, seem so unafraid of that right now, which is so exciting. Which is really good. And I think they need something kind of removed from maybe the slightly saccharine sort of Dawson's Creek-esque stuff that sometimes happens in the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I love it. It's like such a guilty pleasure. Um, and so I want to see horror. I want to see weirdness. And then, I, and then I can have my kind of like sort of rom-com-y fix as well. So I'm excited. I think they're really going, like absolutely going for it. Ten a penny. So... Yeah, bring it on. Bring on September 15th. So my question for you all, is yes. this a model that Disney should follow with their streaming service? Now we know the price point. We know, uh, or at least a price point, like the pre-order price point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty reasonable. They're having a whole bundle. They're doing what they call a curated comic selection. I don't know what that means. I think it means your stuff will expire. I don't know. I'm watching you. Um, but I'm very <laughs> excited uh, for this. What do you think? As soon as they announced it was comics 
and all of the media, I, I knew that they could make bolder choices. Since it's the comics and TV shows, they can have weirder shows like this because you're not expecting just a Netflix brand. You're expecting it to be more universal, more well-rounded. So I think this is perfect. I think if Marvel's smart, they will follow this mold because I think this is going to redefine what new media is. Oh, and they're dropping, uh, of course, the, the remastered Batman the Animated Series. Yes. It's coming to Blu-ray, but also dropping first, I think, on DC Universe. I am so excited. I watched not just the remastered opening which is incredible but i watched one where it's like half is the old one mm-hmm. and half is the new one and you really see the difference i was like okay but that show when i was younger like seriously x-men 90s cartoon mm. 90s spider-man like and then this like and the theme tune it was so yeah. great i'm getting goosebumps again and i'm sweating profusely <laughs> it was it's so brilliant so i'm gonna be binge watching that it looks fantastic i think it's worth the monthly fee alone and that's saying a lot the show I mean, it was the first thing drawn on black paper. It mm. redefined what the art style could be. It has this art deco flavor. It actually yeah. redefined villains, making them better than the comics in some cases. And like to have a source material as strong as Batman get better through a cartoon, this is one of the best. I, I movie fought this with zeal because I love the Batman animated series, and I think that like Harley Quinn is just a tiny piece of what a huge piece of pop culture that is just a tiny piece of the show. Yep. So I think it's worth the, the price of monthly alone, much less all the new properties, much less getting comics. Yes, speaking of which, we're still supposed to get Harley animated stuff on this new right? service. Yeah, of course. So, oh, and shout out to some of our friends who you'll be getting to see over on DC Universe. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had our buddy Hector Navarro yeah. on, and you're going to be seeing him on DC Daily, uh, which I'm very, very uh, just by We're very proud of you, Hector. That's very exciting. Yeah, it's going to be so good. good. I, can't, I can't wait to watch it for my own content, but also to see my friends, like, look at him go. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the DC Universe is shaping up really well, and I think that these two big stories are looking good for both of the two big houses. But we have a very special guest. Speaking of the yes. two big houses, I cannot wait to talk about this book. We have Eric with Bordertown. I can't wait for this book. It drops today. And we are moments away from talking to him. Now, this book, I know and you've you been excited know, for. I'm a vertigo yeah, this nut. Like your... uh, this has been a part of a very exciting new lineup. Eric Escobar, welcome to Collider uh, Heroes. Thanks for having me. That shirt is also a perfect tangent from 90s X-Men Thank into you. this exact conversation. I was singing along back there. It's <laughs> amazing. This is crazy being here. This feels like being Michael Jordan in Space Jam. It's really exciting because I, I like you guys. So this is like breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> we're, we're I love it. 3D. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. We don't live in a tiny box on your computer. <laughs> I thought you did. It's crazy. You don't live in the side credits we're of my comic books. Breaking borders. Speaking uh, of border towns. Uh, see? Uh, there's a separate tangent. Nice uh-huh. fourth wall break. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, that is an amazing shirt. Where can people I get that shirt? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, uh, my friends at Five Meets Comics make this. That's so cool. They also have a book called Mashbone and Grifty, their own comic, which is awesome. So yeah, Five Meets Comics. Okay, please tell us about Border Town, which I'm yes. so excited about. It came out today, which I'm very excited about. It's from uh, Vertigo. It's the first original uh, property from the Vertigo reboot. And it's about a small town in Arizona that is on the border of the U.S. and Mexico, but also the border between our world and uh, Miklan, which is the Aztec hell. <laughs> so all of Mexican folklore starts coming out of this, this portal between worlds. Things like La La Llorona, Los Duendes, Los Chilingues, uh, Santa Muerte, Chupacabra, everything you've heard of or maybe not heard of uh, before from Mexican folklore is coming into this town and messing things up. And it's a town that's also, like, they're racially divided, like, by default. So they blame all the weirdness, all the crop circles and crop mutil- or, uh, cattle mutilations and stuff on the illegal population. Mm. So these monsters are getting in uh, into a town that is like already tearing itself apart. So it's pretty fun. It's a fantastic setup. Thank you. Thank you. What are you drawing on and writing this one? Uh, so I came from Tucson, Arizona. to where I grew up. And a lot of it's based on my actual life. Uh, I moved from Illinois to Tucson my sophomore year of high school. And it was a huge culture shock. So, is there anything 
autobiographical about the cranky kid moving in the opening yeah, pages yeah. of this book? Yeah, it's, it's all Mary Sue fan. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. So it's about my own life, but also uh, influenced by the stories that my family told me when I was a kid about these like Mexican folklore monsters. I don't know if you, anybody grew up like uh, in the Latinx family. They terrorize you with monsters to, to behave. <laughs> So, like, if you, if you don't go to bed, like, the cuckoo is going to get you. If you wander out, at, at, if you're out past curfew, like, La Llorona is going to come drown you. Like, it's this really <laughs> hardcore thing. And the same folks who were telling me, like, about morality and about religion were telling me about these monsters. So I never knew what was real and what was fake. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of the borders of my own life between fact and fiction were blurred. So I was like, well, Jesus and Kakui and Spider-Man all sound plausible. I don't know which ones. <laughs> <laughs> and that explains my entire personality and career path. So, yeah, that's what this is about. It's what if all those things that my, my aunt told me about when I was a kid were actually real. And a lot of these monsters aren't known to mainstream, like, American media. Like, I, I know the Chupacabra, but I don't know that the last one you just mentioned. Did that give you a different kind of freedom when you're doing this book? Did, did Vertigo go, like, go play? Yeah, that and all the pressure from the community to represent them. Because they're right. mostly passed down through an oral tradition. So to have them drawn for, like, the first time, Ramon had a big task in front of him. That's Ramon Villalobos, your wonderful artist here? Yes, he's amazing. The co-creator of the book. So good. Um, so, yeah, it was really exciting to, to depict these creatures. I'm a huge goth nerd. I uh, managed a Hot Topic for five years. Nice. <laughs> so I'm a big monster fan, so I get really excited when people introduce monsters to my life. Like, when the Krampus became popular, like, three years ago, everyone lost their minds, and they weren't German. Like, I'm not German, but I love this German myth. Mm. It was really exciting to learn about. So for me, introducing monsters, like the Duendes and the Chupacabras and Santa Muerte to a wider audience. Can you pick one or two that people might not know about and sort of describe them without spoiling the book? Okay, so do you guys know what the, the Pichilingues are? No, that one I don't know. They're these little tiny weirdos. They're like Smurf-sized guys, and they talk to you in the sound of your own voice what? and like just tell you to burn things and, and to be and to like misbehave. So it's a way to like fictionalize mental illness, kind of. Interesting. And you can, if you're a kid, you can blame things. Like if you pull your sister's pigtails, I'm like oh, the Pichilingues told me to. I wasn't in control. <laughs> they took over my body. And uh, the Duendes. Do you guys know what Duendes are? They're almost like Joe Dante style little like teeth monster things mm. and they live in the walls of homes and still in some places in Mexico in northern Mexico if you move into an apartment or a house and you can prove that there are duendes in the walls you can break your lease that's amazing yeah still today yeah, that's a thing still on the books oh that's fantastic so it's a living mythology and it's it's these things like are so important they're so real to, to like Chicano and Mexican communities that like it doesn't feel like fiction. It feels as important to us as, like, the saints are or yeah. as, like, the Virgin Mary is. Like, these are real things that are honored and respected. You so talked about pressure. profiting on them for comics. <laughs> you talked about pressure there. Is yeah. How have you balanced that? Uh, just night, sleepless nights, cool, cool, cool. Uh, just crying in front of the mirror, <laughs> cracking. No, it's really exciting to represent the community uh, in this way. It's, it's very exciting of, for Vertigo to invest in us. Uh, how did the book come about? It's something I've been pitching for years, honestly, and not until the like current administration over at Vertigo did anyone like have the the courage to back it up. It's a horror comic. It's when it, when you have a, a horror book and it's like Stranger Things or The Walking Dead or whatever, no one thinks that those are inherently political. Mm. But when it's all Latinx characters, suddenly it's political. Suddenly mm. they're like, I don't want to offend anybody by having a Mexican in a book. They'll have like people get shot in the face, or they'll have like the, <laughs> the you know the Joker wearing the face of the previous Joker, and that's fine. Uh, but for some reason, like, being Mexican is, like, the most scariest, most ta- scarier than a monster, right? 
But this mm-hmm. current company doesn't think so. And like, it's just another horror comic, the way that Vertigo's always put out really exciting horror stuff. And you, many of you watching this, you will know we talk about Vertigo all the time. Yeah. That is the source of, of, or at least they created it to have a home for Swamp Thing and Sandman and a bunch of our favorite books of all time. Hellblazer. It sounds like a perfect home Lucifer, for this kind of book. Creature. What, what is your proudest accomplishment in getting it made? What is, what is the thing that you're most like, I got this in here? Oh man, the whole time we felt like we were just getting away with stuff. Like I felt like I tricked Warner Brothers in DC <laughs> into putting out this book. And then slowly but surely, like they printed thousands of copies to hand out at San Diego Comic-Con for free just to boost the brand. Yeah, I didn't get one of those. Yeah, I didn't see that. I'll do one. They mailed out a chips and salsa that were branded for Border Town to members of the community. Do you guys see That's that? That's incredible. What? They just made a bunch of care packages of like, it comes with a luchador mask and a salsa <laughs> bottle and a bag of chips and it says Border Town on it and it has a copy of the comic in it. And it was a joke I made because they were mailing out essential oils for the Sandman promotion and we were kind of making fun of like what the great... like the gothy Sandman kids. Yes. And they heard us and then actually made our like joke into an actual thing. So, <laughs> so like that was, I guess that's my That's when you know moment. it's real. You're like, hey, by the way, this joke is now canon in this book yeah. that's canon of my life. And we're the first book out of the gate for the relaunch. They didn't yeah. have to do that but like that's incredibly exciting. I have a tattoo from the Invisibles. I love Vertigo. Oh my God. I feel like I, I slipped and fell and I'm in a coma and just imagining all of this. It's insane. You're daydreaming at Hot Topic right now. You're like yeah. hanging stuff in. You're yeah, like, was, by the way, I made a comic book. Yeah, yeah. I was mopping the Marilyn Manson aisle and <laughs> fell over. And, yeah. This is a dream you're having, yes. Uh, how much of this have you planned out? We have like years and years of story. Border Town takes place in a fictional town called Devil's Fork, Arizona, and it goes back hundreds of years to the founding of, of, of that place. Um, something you get a lot in Arizona is people telling folks to go back home like telling Mexicans to go back home. And Arizona was part of like this continent before the United States was. Yeah. And even before Spain was, like, Spanish isn't the first language that was spoken there. It's Nahuatl. So, you know, like, there's a storied history that people don't understand about our own country. And I'm a huge, like, I'm a nerd, spoiler alert on Collider Heroes. (laughs) But I'm into, like, mythology and religion and American American history. And I get to fuse every idea I've ever had can go in this book. It's a receptacle for all of the stuff that I like. So, like, as an independent comic creator, I should have, like, six books out right now. But I don't because all of those ideas that I would have just go into Border Town. It's, it's the f- best thing ever in my life. It's so much fun. And the historical yeah. impact, that's amazing. I wouldn't have thought of that. You get to actually tell stories that would be uh, not accessible to necessarily the same audience. Like, kids pick up comics more than they pick up history books. Yeah. And that's yeah. really cool. Like, I didn't know that about Arizona. And oh, that, that's cool. something you can totally inform people with. Like, this is something you could spread awareness of so many things. And is that is that a goal of the book long term to, like, sprinkle in, like, by the way, you should know this? It is. It's fun because it's an Easter egg for folks who already know. So that's mm-hmm. exciting because you feel like you're seen and validated. And also, yeah, the, the fact that it feels real and there's elements of real life just makes it scarier. Like, if you're reading something and all these things are true, it's like when I was a kid. You don't know what's... Are the monsters real then? Because the historical stuff is real. Well, and it's, it's very much like Hellboy draws on a yeah. lot of mythologies all over the world. And you're sort of like, well, that story's real. Maybe there are Romanian werewolves. You know? <laughs> yeah, like- yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and our story goes into the future, too, which is fun. Because living in Arizona, you think it's like a, a, a throwback. Like, the cliche is people are like, it's the backwater, backwoods. It's not New York, not, not L.A., um, but it's actually like at the tip of the future. Like Joe Arpaio, we knew about him in Arizona before you guys did. John McCain was our senator. Like, you know, all of the, all the border politics and identity politics that are trendy and hashtags now, I was getting my butt kicked in high school about. Mm. So like we went through this stuff before the rest of the country. So Arizona is a very futuristic place as much as it is like Confederate flag belt buckle 
punching in the throat during gym class kind of place. It's quite a combo. That's yeah. fascinating. It's, it's like there are bores between the past and the future. And there, yeah. Almost like you've got really rich thematic material for your book oh, to work with take here. that, Nightwing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I love Nightwing. This book's my that's favorite the, book. That's it's what I thought of. That's quote from the, take that, Nightwing. <laughs> that's our fake beef. Those are the Drake to our Kanye. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how did you find Ramon? Oh, or my vice God. Versa? Just in a Taco Bell. Um, no, Ramon is amazing. I've been a fan of that guy for like years. There were like four, three or four years ago at a con, I walked up to him and I was like, dude, we're going to work on a book someday. And he just like stone faced me because that oh. sounds crazy. Um, but I've been, a, I was a fan of his from like Twitter and Project Rooftop, this website mm. where he redesigned comp, uh, superhero costumes. So I love that guy. And this book, it's as much like teenage high school drama as it is supernatural monster stuff. Yeah. So you have to really sell the kids as well as the monsters. And Ramon, all he does is just like listen to Slipknot and watch Dawson's Creek. So that combination is perfect. Speaking of good borders. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So all of the fashion, he's known for drawing great fashion and like sneakers in particular. He's a great shoe artist and he draws people very well. So you have that combination and then this really like metal, like, school shooter scribbling in a notebook kind of monster drawings mm. combined together is perfect. That's fascinating. You do yeah. immediately engage in these kids because obviously there's, you don't, you really don't need any information to immediately be like, oh, new kid in school. I hope he makes friends. I hope yeah. that person's nice to him. Oh, that guy might not be as nice as you think. Like, it's immediately, to me, very relatable. Nice. And I'm excited uh, that, yeah. I'm glad you like it. We're going to sell dozens of copies. We're very excited. Oh, the, the, the amount of stuff in that book just from this five minutes, like there's so much in there and there's so much I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought of on my own. I'm very excited. That's an incredible Thanks. duality of things. And I love the duality and all the creatives involved. That sounds like absolutely perfect. So that's Thanks. out today? Yeah, today, today. I'm and are you guys monthly, bi-weekly? When's, when's the next uh, Monthly, monthly. Monthly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so early October, you get issue two? Yes. I'm yes. always, once I have the first one finished, I got to know when the next one is. So. And if you're in LA, we have a signing today at Heidi Hill Comics. It's going to be very fun. Fantastic. Uh, we're going to have like Mexican food there and they're doing Aztec uh, crafts for little kids and we're celebrating the whole community so it's not just my book I, what's important to me is that the whole community gets gets raised from this and that we get more uh chicano and mexican and latinx books and creators so we're having a bunch of local creatives that have their own books coming out too oh, just to raise everybody great. that's fantastic where right. can people uh follow you to find more info or keep up with this uh i am at eric m esquivel on twitter and uh, emecomics.com and all that regular stuff you can find me are you ready for cosplay Oh my god! Yeah, we had a little bit already. We've had people like making the mask yes. and wearing. Yeah, I want a chupacabra. I want a full vinyl, like furry fetish chupacabra <laughs> suit. So if you're out there, this is my call to you. That's the other duality: comics and furries yeah. together on this exactly. book. Exactly. exactly. All the borders getting obliterated, you guys. <laughs> oh, and it's amazing. for everybody. Like we were saying, the main character is a guy who is Irish and Mexican, which is my heritage. So he has sort of a foot in both. Uh, fights in the town. I will say it's for everybody, but it's a mature reader's book, so that's a thing to be aware of. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's only for really cool kids. <laughs> you heard it here first, Internet. The cool kids are in Watertown. And well, thank you so much for being oh, here. Oh, thanks for having me. This is exciting. I'm so excited to pick this up today. Thanks, Everyone thanks. check it out. It's out today. And if you're in L.A., Heidi Ho Comics, get it signed. Yes. Meet this awesome guy. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, thanks. Hey, Collider fans, this is John Roca. If you like this show, then you must check out the Adam Carolla Show Every weekday in Podcast One, the Ace Man still holds the title of the number one daily downloaded podcast in the world as he complains about whatever's on his mind with his celebrity pals like Dr. Drew Pinsky, Joe Coy, and many, many more. So don't miss it. Weekdays on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It really is. this. You'll see this again when we get to our poll list because I was already going yeah, to Yeah, it was already in and exciting. Uh, we were just like, what? He's going to come talk to us? That's great.
right. We're fan kids. I'm so excited that books are getting this kind of reach. I'm so excited Vertigo is doing this book. I love that. Like, our pull list is so crazy today. There's so much good stuff coming out. But first, we have to minor mutate. Things are afoot. The minor mutations for today begin with, there was so much little news this week that we actually had to trim some, so we didn't forget stuff. There's just a lot going on. We have to start with some sorrow. Yeah. Uh, Our first piece of Minor Mutations news is the terrible news of the passing of two Marvel legends. Uh, One is Gary Friedrich, the co-creator of Ghost Rider and Son of Satan. Uh, And the other is Marie Severin, uh, who we will talk a little bit more about, but who is just an absolute legend of comics. She was in... There are two most famous American comic book bullpens of all time, and one woman was in both of them. And it was Marie Severin. So we'll talk a little bit more about the legacy she leaves behind. And in the biggest tangent of all time, Eminem uh, has released a random surprise album. And on that album is a Venom song that is... It, we'll get to it. It's, it's, it's a thing. Venom, Eminem. We'll get there. It's, it's, it's something. This is also... We are marking the 20-year anniversary of the Blade film, which in many ways paved the ways for the superhero films we enjoy today. And Wesley Snipes, once more. Surprise, surprise. And in a real surprise, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, if he doesn't get to play Batman's dad or an alternate universe Batman, wants to be Lobo. And yes, yes, please. The main man. Uh, So we also heard this week that basically anyone and everyone (laughs) might be in Spider-Man Far From Home. We will talk some more about the villain rumors circulating around for that. We also have a Best Foreign Film Oscar nominee winner is working on a comic called Thorgal, meaning that there is no end to the Reach comic book get, and it's not just for kids. Everyone should make these movies. We also, we ran out of time last week, so we didn't even talk about this, but we saved you all a bunch of time because Alec Baldwin <laughs> is not going to be in the Joker movie. He was in, he was out, he read the script, we don't know what happened. And also, we found out that Robin Wright is in Wonder Woman 84. Spoiler alert, she died. What's that about? She's in flashback, but is she in more? Maybe. And also, a flashback in a movie that's an alternate... You know, what is this movie? I'm so excited. So, what is... I, I gotta talk Venom at some point, but okay. what do you... What? Because what? Because what? Like, Eminem is usually, like, a slow and then drops an album. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of build. He just, like, dropped an album. But first he teased, by the way, I did the Venom song like Will Smith used to do in the 90s. It's, like, uh... what a weird, like, <laughs> like, wicka, wicka, wobbled Eminem, Venom. Like, it's a very strange thing. And I got to say, I appreciate the fact that he pronounces symbiote right. Uh, he mentions mitochondria. There's a lot of stuff going on that sounds almost scientific, but a lot of it's just crazy. And Eminem, <laughs> Eminem's a giant comic book fan. If you don't know, if you, every single album you'll hear comic book references. He talks about Asgard, talks about Odin, talks about Spider-Man. He talks about Gwen Stacy as an allegory for bad relationships. Eminem's a diehard <laughs> well, comic fan. I don't know if I want to know about well, that. There's a Punisher Eminem team-up comic because he's such a big Marvel head. And now he gets to do a Venom song, but it's weird. It's a, it's a special kind of song. <laughs> Um, I was. I said to these guys earlier, I was kind of hoping that I was going to come on the show and you guys would like rap it. <laughs> I like how he managed to rhyme him with venom, um, which I thought was really, really smart. I mean, I'm I'm a really big Eminem fan, a uh, big music buff, so a really big Eminem fan from back in the day. But I listened to this last night, and it's kind of on the same levels as um, LL Cool J's Deepest Bluest from Deep Blue Sea. Head is like a shark's fin? Has like a shark's fin. Damn right it is. <laughs> um, so it's kind of on those levels of Grammy-worthy crap songs. Um, so I kind of, I hope that it's not going to tarnish Venom. I mean, I'm a wee bit sceptical anyway, and I, I really do like Venom a lot, but 
Yeah, this is not filling me up with hope. And I'm hoping, by the way, that the next time I come on this show that you guys know all the lyrics to that song. I know we mentioned... Oh, I got all the references. Like, Eddie Brock's in there. He talks... There's licking references. Like, <laughs> it's, it's really weird that I love the album, so, and that song comes out, and I'm like, what yeah. a strange turn that it's went. It's kind of like stuffed at the last... It's at the very last track on the album. It's like stuffed at the end. And it literally end. says Venom music from the motion picture. Yeah. Like, it's a very strange... That's the title of the song. That's the yeah. whole thing. It's like Eminem stuff, Eminem stuff, Eminem stuff. Venom. So I just I had to lead my recitations with that because I never thought I'd talk about Eminem Eminem on Collider Heroes, but here we are. Eminem and Venom. Eminem and Venom. Okay. Eminem. Eminem. Eminem, folks. I want to put it to the Collider sweaties out there. If you want to see these guys rap this this <laughs> tune, sorry guys, I had to. It's becoming more of a challenge. You want to see these guys rap this tune? Then tweet one of us, all of us, tweet Collider oh, News. She's opened that so can of worms. I like to think I'm up for any challenge, but ooh, sorry, boys. <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. And, and more sane news. What, uh, what do you want to talk about yes. this week of the Modern Musicians? <laughs> um, I, I will take it back uh, just be, so it's not hanging over us. Unfortunately, we had to do this last week and talk about the passing of Russ Heath, um, but we lost two more uh, huge parts of comics history this week in the forms of writer Gary Friedrich. Uh, and Marie Severin. So Gary Friedrich wrote a lot for Marvel. Uh, as he's best known for a lot of his work in the horror titles in the 70s. He introduced a new version of Ghost Rider. Johnny Blaze uh, used the name of an old Western hero. Uh, he int- introduced him into the, this brief boom they were having of sort of horror and monster and supernatural comics. He also created Damon uh, Hellstrom, who we'll be getting to eventually in the MCU. Don't worry. Uh, the son of Satan, I'm sure, is going to come up. Uh, but he... He did a lot of work on and off. He was involved later on in life in some legal battles with Marvel over the rights to Ghost Rider, which brought some attention to sort of those issues. Um, But he will be much missed. There's a beautiful remembrance of him out there by Roy Thomas, uh, another Marvel legend who was uh, very close friends with him throughout his life. Uh, So we also lost Marie Severin. You might not know Marie Severin's name, uh, but you know her work. uh, Because there are, like I said before, there were sort of the two most famous groups of comic book creators uh, in America in the 20th century, for my money, are, like, if you could time travel, you would ask to go to 1953 at EC Comics and to the mid-60s at Marvel Comics. Uh, and Marie Severin was in both of those places. She was a, a, a just phenomenally talented artist in a number of different fields. So she got her start in comics uh, coloring, all of EC, the classic horror and crime and uh, Western and war, like some of the, the comics that survived the 50s was sort of the best artistic reputation and that also kind of almost destroyed the industry because they got dragged in front of the Senate committee for corrupting the youth. Uh, she was putting the colors on all of those. Um, and she was basically brought in because technology was so poor back then that they would get really random results from the colors that they sent out to the factory. Uh, and Harvey Kurtzman was really tired of his very hyper-accurate war stories ending up with, you know, bright blue everywhere. Uh, and sort of uh, asked one of, their, one of their artists, John Severin, another legendary penciler. You guys are going to have to stop me at some point. But uh, <laughs> John Severin is I'm a legendary right artist, now. and he was like, my sister's good at art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she came down to the offices uh, and became the in-house colorist for essentially everything EC did from that point on. Um, these beautiful, she would do these beautiful watercolors and then break them down so that the primitive 1950s printers could sort of understand what to do. Wow. You know, you had... You had four colors, including black. You had a choice of 25%, 50%, and 100%. And out of those, she would figure out the right combinations to get these beautiful painted effects. Um, and, 
you know, there's there's a million Marie Severin stories out there. She ended up uh, getting out of the field when everything went bust because of uh, the comics code. Um, she had briefly been at Atlas with her brother. Um, and then she ended up back at, uh, in comics at Marvel in 1965, just a few years into the Silver Age uh, and the incredible Stan Lee-led bullpen. Uh, and she stayed there for decades. And while there, somebody realized she could draw... Um, and she did what is now basically a legendary run on Cole the Conqueror. Her brother was inking her pencils oh, that's really cool. um, for uh, about a year and a half on Cole the Conqueror, two years maybe. Uh, she did. She drew the Hulk. She's very famous for her Hulk art. She drew Doctor Strange. She drew Namor the Submariner. Uh, she, but she was so useful they would just move her around to whatever they needed people on, and she would do corrections. And she was drawing designs for covers. She was the de facto art director. Uh, she mentored John Romita and a bunch of other people in that mm-hmm. office. Um, please go and look up some of these reminiscences because everyone who met and worked with Marie Severin has the best things to say about her. She's, oh, and I almost forgot the thing she's most famous for, which is her humor art. She was the signature artist for Not Brand Ech, which if you are a comic book fan, you will recognize the Marvel self-parody humor magazines. Um, They did Crazy, they did Not Brand Ech, they did a bunch of different attempts at humor stuff, and Marie Severin was an incredible cartoonist Mm -hmm. for humor and caricature. So she would do all these little office sketches of everybody, and at some point someone was like, you're really funny? Uh, And for some reason, they didn't use you on Mad Magazine at the home of Mad Magazine, which was EC, of course. Um, But we're going to remedy that mistake, and you're going to be on every humor thing that we do for the next uh, several decades. And she was, and it was brilliant, and she uh, leaves a giant pioneering hole in the comic book world. And I'm done. I learned so much in the last five minutes, and I was, like, fully, yes, There's a book on her called Marie Severin, The Merciful Mistress of Comics. I knew her Um, name, and I knew she, I knew she was involved in John Romita's start, and her line work reminds me a lot of Romita, and I'm a huge Romita fan, so thank you for telling me all of the rest I didn't know. That's amazing. And there's so much more, because she just, she was just there. She was, like, no one, she was in those offices, just being, like, either the only woman or one of two, almost all of the time. And, uh, yeah, just, just an incredible pioneer. That was an amazing potted history. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. She's like, interrupts. I can't. I'm not going to interrupt. Yeah, I want to learn. I'm, I'm learning like, so much right now. I Koi going, no. Yeah. No, I was talking about Eminem's medium song that got released. Yeah, and like, uh, <laughs> what was your favorite mind mutation from this week? Besides Knock Knock, Let the Devil In. Eminem oh, songs. my God. Like, are we talking about Blade? Blade. Let's talk about Blade. Um, cause, um, basically, Wesley Snipes did an interview recently. And um, he said that he would still play Blade now, today. And there are a couple of ideas being banded about, and he's had talks, he said, with the the big bosses. And he said that, trust me, if anything sees the light of day, not in so many words, that that you will be bowled over that what they can do with the stories that they want to do now, which I think is amazing. And actually, I was thinking about Blade, and I don't think there's anyone else I want to play Blade that isn't Wesley Snipes. Um, I'd love to see him come back. I mean, I wanted Michael B. Jordan, but he was a great killmonger. So now, I, now I'm fully still Wesley Snipes. Like, I swear. I'm, I'm up for it. I mean, he said, so he basically said, you know, there wouldn't be really anyone to play Blade apart from me in not so many words. And then he said, they got to be in shape and have some sex appeal. So basically, he's just saying he's a shit. <laughs> I mean, he is Wesley Snipes. He's been saying it's this like, for 30 years, and he's not been wrong once. <laughs> totally. It's like, I'm the shit, and I can do it, so just hire me back again. But it's a matter of fitting into the universe kind of thing. So it's, 
it's really exciting. I think you should go read about it online and go read the interview. It's like quite a big, um, long interview in Vice. Um, but yeah, he said it's basically child's play, what we did before, to what we can do now. So and he's not imagine. Wrong. They started, imagine. Blade Films started this movement. Blade Films were what gave us this gateway between action films and superhero R-rated films. R-rated as well. And it was R-rated. So if mm-hmm. uh, he's totally right in the fact that that's what they were doing then. I can't imagine what Blade could be in today's climate and like in the superhero world of today. And Wesley Snipes, I think, could totally handle it. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, he is a delightful human being uh I, I want him back as blade personally and i'd love to see it be maybe like two or three movies get him out quick and he's a vampire so you can totally have the dude like i'm excited i think he's perfect do you think he would ever agree to do like a blade netflix series or be the big guest star in one of the other series or would that be like beneath him well i think a blade netflix series could actually work like it actually really could work considering what um you know the marvel netflix shows are looking like right now mm-hmm. and um blade is kind of like a ground level superhero or, and or the budget of the old yeah. movies could be spread across an entire series with the technology of today yeah it absolutely could it. yeah absolutely but then i wouldn't say no to like having him pop up in the ncu as well just mm. with his sex appeal and awesomeness <laughs> <laughs> he clearly still has good on you wesley good on big up yourself um <laughs> so yeah like i'm i'm well up for it netflix series where i want to see blade back again it's been a while so bring him back there were rumors uh, yeah. that they were going to bring in like a a a younger female blade they, they talked about a comic for it and that sort of stopped being talked about mm-hmm. they the, we thought there might be rumors for shows and that stopped sort of being talk, talked about but like you'd have some wonderful opportunities there big screen or small screen to sort of expand that family and introduce a bunch of like we were talking about son of satan damien hellstrom uh trish if, walker's ex because she has great taste in dudes <laughs> um poor lady uh if sony can do morbius they can bring back blade like if that's you know what i mean like blade totally fits in the mcu totally fits in the daredevil netflix world i think it's a great idea and i gotta mention in the world of dark and gritty lobo would be so much fun <laughs> jeffrey dean morgan is a, a charming charismatic gruff i can totally see him chomping on a cigar like that like that yes. man with a hook I can see Lobo right there. And the fact that he no, not just knows about him, wants to play him, is very exciting to me. I've not heard of a lot of names I was excited about because I really wanted The Rock to be Lobo, but he's busy being Black Adam. But <laughs> I think that Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Lobo is a fantastic idea. Uh, if you watch Pain and Gain, The Rock is Lobo. Uh, but I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan can really nail it. I think it's definitely a great opportunity. And he's already in the DC wheelhouse. Like, it's, it's great. It's right there. What do you guys think? I'm I mean, up for it. He, he's... He's a very talented actor, very. and I would watch him do a lot of things. And I, I obviously, Jason Momoa is not going to be Lobo, so we can all live with like a, a number of other options. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan would do a good job. Would you guys want it to be full on movie, appear in something, do one of the DC Universe shows? What I see as a TV thing. That's I see it as a more of a. I think it'd be quite a good sort of unforgiving because he because Lobo sits in that world of like unforgiving violent characters, you know, like Punisher and all all the rest. Mm-hmm. Of it, except except maybe like you know on steroids. So I'm I think it would work as a TV show, and I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan is great. As soon as I saw the sort of image together, I was like, <laughs> oh my god, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Why didn't we think of this before? I'm not that sold on the Dwayne Johnson tip. I'm more like I'm on. I was like yes. So I would like to see that kind of like a, a violent sort of unforgiving show a tv show i think that would work really well, well and he'd make a good antagonist in one of the shows in the same way that punisher did for daredevil where yeah. he illustrates the like i won't cross the line but that guy will and he's kind of a hero and bye like yeah it gives you some good sort of story material absolutely mm-hmm. is there anyone we want to cross over before we go into our pull list is there any of the other minor mutations that are of note spider-man molten man <laughs> Molten Man? That's the rumor. Molten Man? You've got one of the best rogues gallery in the world, and you've got a guy that is hot. 
Hot, hot, hot. Hot, hot, hot. Uh, I, I, Roxon, I mean, it ties into Roxon, which is very big in the movies, uh, in the Netflix shows. Uh, it could tie the film and the TV shows in together in a very easy way. Uh, Cloak and Dagger had lots of Roxon. Mm. Do you guys want to see Molten Man? I've, I was curious about the suggestion that some people made that, like, maybe we're getting a villain montage. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why we're getting all of, like, maybe there's just a, they, and then he punches four different people in four different places. <laughs> like, and that's why we're getting all this. Because we, like, and this week we also got sort of set foes indicating a bunch of other, set photos indicating a bunch of other, like, cameos like Happy Hogan and mm-hmm. stuff yes. like that that we're going to be seeing, apparently, in this movie. Uh, it was, like, a video in Terror Bridge in London. I didn't even know, actually, like, it's actually close to where I live. I was like, oh, my God, I know where I'm going when I go home. <laughs> I know, you're missing Spider-Man right now. Like, oh, my God, I really love you guys, but... I um, understand. Really, really, really excited. So, But it was like, I watched the video, and I was, like, zooming in. It's one of those kind of videos where someone's hung outside their apartment mm-hmm. and just kind of, like, taking the food. But you've got, like, Nick Fury, Maria Hill, have got all of the villains ever, and then we've got... Um, um, uh, Happy Hogan's back as well. So, but, so it's the only thing I can like feel when all these little like tidbits and um, rumors come out is because we had the end of Infinity War and we know because like you know f- films get announced after the fact and things. But you know, it, it kind of makes me go, oh yeah, well we know now. This, are the stakes going to be that high? You know, I'm kind of like my brain's going crazy with what's going to happen. But they were dust. Oh my god. So, but I, I want all the stuff. Bring on all of it. Like Molten Man, everyone, Hydro Man, buddy. I don't care. All of it. All of it. I want it all now. So <laughs> Spider Man. It's like my favorite thing ever. So yes. And I will just say, uh, the, 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 I was just interested by this conversation from, uh, I'm going to say, Florian Henkel von Donersmark. I'm sorry if that's way off. Um, who is the director of, they, they, they might end up as the winner, but I wrote my note unclearly here. He's director of Germany's entry for this year's Best Foreign Film Oscar, where every country sort of like, here's the one we're putting forward. He directed this year's Best, and so he's on the, like, red carpets right now talking, like, theoretically, he's got some heat, he's a serious artistic Mm -hmm. filmmaker, and he is hyping up his next project, a comic book adaptation, because there's no contradiction between serious filmmaking and fantasy elements. Not throwing any shade at last week's conversation, but definitely <laughs> show, throwing shade at last week's conversation. Um, <laughs> uh, so who said that? There's a European comic called Torgal, which is about an alien who crash lands and is raised by Vikings, and it's uh, uh, largely unknown to a lot of us in America, but it's a huge deal. I think it could be, if, if it is done really well, especially with Florian at the helm, it could be a really amazing, fantastical, strange, because it mixes sci-fi, horror, um, Norse mythology, Atlantean stuff. Like, you've got all of it crammed in. So it could go one of two ways. It could look really, really bloody amazing and serious and beautiful and just sumptuous. <laughs> or it could be an absolute mess. Sure. Fair so, <laughs> but, you know, 50-50, that's good odds, I guess. So, but so I'm, we're rooting for you. <laughs> and I like the fact that he is a serious, uh, you know, proper, proper director. And he's willing to take on something that's a, you know, a comic book and make it into a film because it get comic books you know from serious film people <laughs> um get gets they get a lot of bad rap yeah and there's some really really good comic book films out there why shouldn't they be like pumped up as high as anything else i hear this chris nolan guy's a pretty good director he might do it on batman there, it, these things <laughs> work sometimes work. let these things happen <laughs> speaking exactly. of the amazing world of comic books our pull list this week we covered our number one very thoroughly because we had the man who's writing the thing in-house but first we gotta tell you the other books we have 
Batman, number 54, as our number five pull. Number four is The Dreaming, number one, the first of the Sandman spin-off books being personally overseen by Neil Gaiman with incredible artist Bill Kazebly. Number three, we have Captain America, number three, a new run just started up. It's really great. It's got an Alex Ross cover. It's very accessible. Take on Captain America. I really recommend this book. You want to take number two? Deadpool number four. (laughs) Deadpool is doing a thing where there aren't long arcs. This is number four, but it's the beginning of a second arc. The first arc was only three issues. So if you want to read Deadpool, if you like Deadpool 2, if you like Deadpool 1, you can jump on number four, having read no Deadpools in your life. So I recommend it for anyone that wants to just know if they like the Merc with the mouth in paper. And our number one this week is a little book you might have heard of called Border Town. Because we're legit so excited excited. for this book. Uh, And it's just... I love seeing Vertigo in action. There's two out of five Vertigo this week, but, like, they're great, and they make great books. Uh, so what, what do you want to talk about? What looks good to you? Well, um, so I, the only two that I haven't checked out this week is uh, Dreaming and Deadpool. I just don't have time, although I do love Deadpool. Um, I was checking out Batman 54, because, you know, he's had a bit of a depressing time. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Bruce. <laughs> He's back to broody Bruce now, yeah. but like I, Batman uh, Fifty Four, it's, it's there's a bit more levity in this one. So because I found the last sort of three or four, I was like, oh my god, like I'm sludging through the depression here, and now it's, there's a bit more levity because we've got Dick Grayson back, and it's going to be Tom King and the artist Matt Wagner, yes. uh, an absolute legend. Uh, you might know him from Grendel or from a bunch of other stuff that he's done, but he's he's drawing this week. So I haven't yes. had a chance to read it yet, so you're saying it's good? It's good. It's 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 just got a bit lighter, you know, and I think we need that, especially after everything that's happened before. <laughs> Tom King writes yeah. a very dark Batman, but he also every so often throws in an energetic arc, and I really like that because you read his run and every so often you're like oh it's but nice. then you can power back in and have this light and fun and like definitely like this book is a great jumping on point if you haven't read any of tom king stuff yes absolutely um, i thought that was really really great um i also i'm enjoying the captain america run mm. really really enjoy it cap's back yeah he is back mm-hmm. um back again to face even more badness <laughs> so okay so he's back again obviously but the people don't trust him so, yeah, see, he's got issues to deal with, basically. He's got his hands full. So and they're very not great. Cap issues. I like that this book deals with stuff that Cap's never dealt with before. Yeah. People don't trust him. He's the face. He's the Boy Scout. And he's having to be like, wait, I've done this, they think. Oh, no. And it's a really interesting take on the character. I have to work for change. And to try to do that is, in that way, so Cap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so American. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I'm going to say my favorite this week, actually. Not because he's sitting just behind the camera. But it's uh, Border Town. Yeah. It is really, really really fun everybody has to go out and buy it right now i read it this morning it's really fun i like the way that it deals with sort of there's a few things thrown in there about immigration and people's attitudes but it, it's fun and i'm learning about uh, you know because mythology you know because i don't know anything i'm from the uk so i don't, know, I don't have you know chupacabra yeah but um i don't know anything about so i just thought it was colorful it's fun um, dealing with, uh, I think, important issues, but in a really strange sort of twisted way. I like it. So I think, honestly, sh- that's my favorite this week. Excellent. I will go to bat for uh, The Dreaming, which is by Cy Spurrier and artist Bilkis Everly. Bilkis Everly's been on my list for several years now because uh, her work on some fill-in issues or, like, standalone issues of Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman. I was just like, who is that? Uh, so I was going to be reading this book either way, but when they announced the creative teams uh, and that this is part of the first of the four books spinning out of the Neil Gaiman overseen, like, new Sandman universe, uh, I, I'm, I couldn't be any more on board. And, and Bill Cazavalli's just amazing. 
since I like all five of these books and have chimed in a bit, I want to get to our just our sweaty question of the week. Or we're going to do one Twitter question this week. We've got a few others we'll save for next week. But our sweaty question of the week comes from Marco Gonzalez at I Am Fresh Twenty Three, and I love this question. It's out of all comics you guys have read, which ones would you say have affected you the most emotionally, whether happy or sad, and why? Hashtag Collider Heroes. <laughs> there it is. Rogue's Rogue not even vote. watching the show. He's sitting with the comic, He's being like, uh, "This is way better than whatever's going on." Just up there. emoting, just straight emoting. Oh. Uh, our guest first. What, what's your, what are you highlight emotional books? This is a hard question because I like endings. Of, I love the ending of My Last Man. I love the ending of The Boys because I just love that wee Huey finds happiness at the end. Spoiler alert. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Actually, that might be the thing that gets me to read The Boys. If there's a happy ending coming, like I can it's, probably... It's, it's a journey. So good, <laughs> it's quite like you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And then you get to the end, you're like, oh, cool. But I'm going to kind of go off-piste and um, talk about Calvin and Hobbes mm. because Calvin and Hobbes... I, I mean, I love the X-Men. I talk about the X-Men ad nauseum because that was, like, literally Jim Lee's X-Men for the 90s, blah, blah, blah. I was, like, prime age. But before that, I read Calvin Hobbes obsessively, and I have stacks of them back home that I need to go grab from Glasgow. Um, but the, the last panel, um, you know, and Bill Washington just kind of, like, stopped, you know, and he didn't say that anything else was going to happen. And if you go, you can go on the internet and read the last panel. Calvin and Hobbes are in the snow, you know, and they go off and they just go off into another adventure, and that is it. And it's that childhood, your wonderment frozen in time um, forever. And every time I go back, I think about that, and I think about my childhood and that, and all the weird, crazy thoughts I used to have, and all the weird, crazy adventures you used to have in your brain when you were a kid. Um, and I just like that, that childhood continues on in those pages. It just goes on and on forever in Bill Watson's world. So. Guys, <laughs> I just got chills remembering it. I, I know. Yeah. And so for me, it was that. I was going to go for something more superhero-ish, but Calvin and Hobbes is my heart. So that's so good. Uh, so for I also like I, I have a story about like six months after I had read Why the Last Man through to the end, I like randomly picked up the final issue in the store where I work and like just started like getting misty out of nowhere and i was like i gotta i can't i gotta put this down like, <laughs> put it in the freezer put it, it in the freezer yeah. <laughs> it was and, uh so that's one of the books that has affected me most mm. but i will give a shout out especially given today to uh kelly pseudoconics run on captain marvel uh which got me multiple times across two different numberings she wrote for about three years she wrote captain marvel uh rebooted her not in the sense of putting her story back to zero but in doing a fresh take on her that is a big part of the reason i believe that we have a movie coming uh is that she made us all see her with new eyes and made her like better than she could have been and made that part of her story uh and that struggle and the character she created around her uh and certain of the 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 higher further faster more uh that that book got me uh and it got a lot of people and it'll get you to watch out i could rant about happy with batman hush or tom king's run with Superman and batman that two issues made me so happy and got me di- deep deep diving back into dc in a real way but Spider-Man 33, I could talk about for an hour. It's the one where Steve Ditko had the moment of Spider-Man lifting Mm. the weight off his shoulders. And that moment, every time I see that image, every time I think of Spider-Man, I think of strength and perseverance. But the boy who collected Spider-Man, the boy who collected Spider-Man is... I think one of the most important issues of any comic of all time, it makes you feel what it's like to be a comic reader while you're reading what it's like to be a superhero, while you're identifying with what it's like to be a boy that doesn't have much time left. Uh, Peter Parker reveals his identity to this young boy in the most impassioned 
powerful book. The art is beautiful. The writing is top-notch. You can't read that book and not feel something. And it it calls out to everyone. It doesn't matter race, gender, age. Anyone reading this book will feel what Peter goes through, what this child goes through, what it's like to be a comic fan. And there's nothing sweatier than reading a book about sweaties <laughs> and feeling every bit of it from every side. And that's perfect writing. So The Boy Who Collected Spider-Man is, I think, the most emotional impact I've ever had of a comic. Oh. We just answer this question every week forever. Thank you so much for joining us, Claire. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Um, I hope that I will be back, if not to oversee the epic rap battle. <laughs> she brought the challenge back. She didn't forget. I, I'm, no, it's the, I'm not forgetting. Claire does not forget. Um, but please, um, thank you so much uh, from the last time I was here to now to all the sweaties that have tweeted me and everything. Um, please tweet me some more at We Claire um, or Instagram at We Claire here because I'm small and I'm Claire and I'm there. Um, so please Instagram me and tweet me for nerdy nostalgia and nerdy chat and thank you so much for having me absolutely and until next week thank you eric for joining oh, us to talk about so board much, of town i'm so excited fantastic book thank you for joining us read comics get excited about captain marvel sign up for dc universe and we'll see you next week stay sweaty we begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way so pick up your mccafe iced coffees close your eyes and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Wrap up the year with holiday cheer at the all-new Bush Gardens Christmas Celebration. Experience a winter wonderland as you walk through eight festive villages with twinkling lights, holiday decor, and entertainment. Bush Gardens Christmas Celebration is a limited capacity event. Select dates through January 3rd. Take advantage of the biggest sale of the year going on now through November 27th. Buy one two-park membership, get one half off during the Black Friday sale. Make your reservation today. Restrictions apply.